Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 304, covering Spirit Folk and Ashes to Ashes with Amanda Smith. Uh, friends. Yep. Friends, friends, friends. Would, would you... Uh, hi, Amanda. Hello. Would, would you all three, or uh, would the three of us agree that this is the worst Voyager episode? No. No? No. Let's... Seven Gets Raped is the worst Voyager episode. Okay, okay. No, I'll give you that. This Can this be the, the, the boringest Voyager episode? And yeah, I think so. The stupidest Voyager episode? See... I I agree that 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 seven rape analogy episode is truly awful, but that's awful in a whole different way. This is standard Voyager. This is what we expected going into Voyager. This is the quintessential bad Voyager episode we knew we were going to get. This is the platonic ideal of a bad Voyager episode. Only that it's not platonic because everyone's having sex in it. Uh, well, yeah. I know, I know everyone's all right up on next sex. to each other. Yeah, just uh, terrible. There's a lot of boners being rubbed up against walls. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of dry humping in the holiday. Yep. Oh, it just reminds me of last time to steal your joke. Everyone sidling up to the dildo trough. Uh, trough. Yep. Or trophy. Or trophy. My dildo trophy. My yep. trophy. The trophy. A real well, word. You know, language evolves. Maybe by the twenty fourth century, it'll be a trophy. Maybe they don't know what a trough is anymore, or a key. They definitely don't know what a key what is. What the fuck is a key? And yet we see uh, uh, Tom tooling around in a stupid little car in this one. Like, uh, How did he turn it on? Like uh, fucking Wind in the Willows Toad. Yeah. <laughs> he did look like that. But in, in uh, his automobile. Amanda, <laughs> Amanda had the good fortune to draw spirit folk as uh, just randomly. Like this was not deliberate. But uh, you get to tell us what happens in it. So uh, good luck with all that. Okay. Two, back in the desperately Irish Fairhaven, huh? A Fairhaven where the episode, a Fairhaven episode where the holodeck goes wrong. Great, real, real great. You know, I thought about it, and there's only one way I can really appropriately sum- summarize this travesty, and that's with the help of Laurel Hall on the piano, gentlemen. <laughs> Oh, I'm Kate the Space Captain, which means I live in space. Except when I'm in the holodeck, the most boring place. Oh, I could spend my shore leave most any way I please. At a cantina scene on Arrakis Prime, or in Orion's Trapeze. Well, I'm still seeing Michael, even though I said we're splits. And we're leaving Fairhaven running, with no time for retrofits. Oh, the villagers are nervous. And they think that I'm a fairy. They should have known it was all fake because someone's dating Harry. Oh, Oh, the holiday goes out of whack, like it does all the time. And Tom and Harold get captured, and Harold's still a slime. Belle suggests we pull the plug, but it's not her call. So I put it to the computer, and Fairhaven's no tribble at all. Very well done. Matt, will you please join me in uh, giving Amanda a round of applause of for that? that was, uh... Do the points matter? Uh, yes, in fact, they do. You, you get got... one million points for that. Yep. And uh, at the end of the episode, we'll be reading the credits in the style of your choosing. <laughs> oh, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> well, you have an hour to think about it. It's got to be something just hideous. Because my prize is the suffering of others. We uh, you know we, we all know how you feel about the suffering of others, Amanda. I'm pretty sure I am uniquely qualified to know that, yes. <laughs> That's your life. That is my life. That's the life you chose. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we just watched 47 minutes of people choosing to live in an Irish village and just stay there. This so. continues to utterly baffle me. Yeah. I do not understand the appeal of you can go anywhere. 
anywhere in the known universe in this one amazing room, this incredible invention that lets you just do or see or meet whoever you want. And what the fuck do you do with your time? You spend it with a bunch of drunk idiots. The thing is, if one or two characters were into this, I'd get it. But the the fact that literally everyone on the ship seems to be delighted by this and they all want to share and constantly partake in this. That's the baffling part to me. They have and, like, I mean, sorry, yeah, go ahead. It, it would, yeah, it would make sense for like two guys because everyone has varied interests. Like I would, I wouldn't yeah. mind playing the Mr. Darcy's boner program like that. <laughs> that's something I'd want to do. And I, I would play Captain Proton. That would be yeah, a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'd probably play Captain Proton, too. Yeah, but. <laughs> there's there's a lot of choice. I mean, even on this show, we've seen five or ten decent choices, mm-hmm. or at least varied choices, and through the other two shows that have had holodecks in them, we've seen a ton of them. Absolutely. But I, I have a hard time believing this is the one that everyone could agree on, that this, everyone came together and said, this is what we all want. This scratches everyone on the ship's itch so well that they have they can leave it running 24 hours a day. Yeah. Just so people and, can go in and out of it. I know, I know we're not supposed to talk about how the holodeck works because... It's that, not that we're not supposed that, to, it's that, that we've tried so many... T- it's like the money thing, it's not a forbidden topic, it's just I doubt you're going to figure it out. That dog doesn't hunt, I understand <laughs> that, but but they, they have limited resources. They have limited resources and they're wasting the, not just the, the, the energy, like the, the power, because apparently holodeck power is not the same as ship power, even though they've said that it, uh, well, they said that once just uh, so they could excuse all this mm-hmm. crap. But whatever, fine. Putting that aside, Bellana has to stop what she's doing, mm-hmm. like important engineering work to tootle on down to the holodeck and fix it because they've been leaving it on too long, like an old screen, like mm-hmm. an old monitor. Where the pixels are starting to burn out. <laughs> yep. I literally want to see of... Fairhaven burn into other holog- holodeck programs. Yeah. Oh, it would be great to see just like constant ghost images of like uh, drunken villagers just like uh, hovering there while yeah. people move around them. It really fucked up my Wild West program. I was having a good time. <laughs> now there's just this uh, b- bearded Irish guy like drinking mm-hmm. in my saloon, which, I, okay, that actually works. That's All right, I can work around this. It's not so good for my uh, uh, the fancy French ball. Right. <laughs> He's the comic relief. That's the thing is the whole town is comic oh, relief. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, and we, we talk about this every time, but... This is Star Trek's continuing inexplicable acts that they grind with the Irish. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do uh, you think it's okay to do this? I I feel like Gene's real vision is mocking the Irish and weird sex. If I have to watch one more Irish hate episode, I'm going to go up the long ladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, we still got Enterprise, so... I don't know, like, I mean, we haven't seen it, we don't know. I do know there's a lot of terrible weird sex on Enterprise. Star Good. Trek's so that's so that. That's that. Uh, box yeah. checked. Yeah. No. There's a. There's a lot of that. That. It's the Enterprise. I. I remember this, and I'm pretty sure I remember it correctly. We were just talking about it earlier this week with uh, Flonk and somebody else. That. That's the show that tries to be sexy. Yeah. So we got that to look for. Star to. Trek wouldn't know sex if it came up and bit him on the ass. No. Absolutely. And then they were not. super Trek- turned on by it. <laughs> Star Trek's idea of sex to me is really sort of. Um, exemplified in that one episode where Wesley breaks a uh oh uh justice green yeah oh yeah the yeah, yeah where everyone's prancing around <clears throat> in yeah, bed no, sheets uh, star trek's idea of, of sex is a bunch of like uh uh oranged up people in white jumpsuits running to fuck yeah that's that's just all yeah, just that, that's what it thinks giant the- aryans or the couple of times we've seen Risa where it's just like a vacation resort. Mm-hmm. Someone lying by a pool and some women in bikinis around. That's the best they can do. And oh, the so sexy sex music. Yeah, it's it's not good. But And this actually is relevant. This, this isn't as tangential as you might think because this episode does a lot of, like, a lot of people pair up in this. There's a lot of sexiness in this, which mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. like Kate, as, as you mentioned in your song summary is still after that dude that she decided to not be after anymore. Yeah, so it's and, it's really awesome we had that whole episode about whether or not she should continue to date this dude she invented. The only vaguely interesting part of that episode was her conflict over, should I keep doing this? Is this right? You know what? No, I need to turn it off. I should not become dependent on this mm-hmm. fake thing. And in that episode, the reason that she decides, listen, I can't do this, is because 
she got too into it. Like yeah. she got too. That's what I'm saying. She got right. too engaged in it. And she's like, no, I need to spend my time and energy on my crew. Mm-hmm. And then she keeps dating him. And in this episode, she puts Tom and Harry and the doctor in danger to try and save her dildo. Yep. Yep. Everyone's dildo. Let's yep. be clear. <laughs> it is the commun- communal dildo. I will Ugh. not. I will sacrifice as many lives as I have to to make sure I still get regular sex with that Irish man. Yep. I mean, in fairness, if it was just Harry, who cares? But you need Tom to drive the ship, and he's he's come a long way. And you need the Doctor for a lot of reasons. We just had an episode two two or three weeks ago where we we almost lost the Doctor, and they told us how important it was that we not do that. And the only replacement for the Doctor who wouldn't be as good is going to be Tom. Like yep. that's the, that's the, your next best thing. Uh huh. Yeah, because no one has done any work on this show to try and get like you know an actual medical staff. Right. Like I mean, what you know. I don't know. They have, like, if you had a supercomputer that could do a job, you wouldn't also train a person to do the job if you only had a, 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 a small amount of people. Like, yeah, you but you'd would want if a you were in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, well, okay. Are you kidding me? Like, get a fucking nurse a couple- in there. Yeah. Well, basic I mean, first aid. The, the, uh, the thing is, Sickbay came with a doctor who died. Yes, but and, you have a huge, you have a crew of 170 odd people. Fucking no, it's, it's down to it's down to like 130 some, and most of them have other jobs. Like, I mean, you could train one of the civilians, like Neelix, I guess. But do you want that? Do you really want that? Wow, I really made this wound worse. <laughs> I do you want? The, I started an infection. <laughs> do you want the power of who wears the butt revealing gown to be in Neelix's furry little paws? Oh God! Also, he'd use his home remedies on everything. Oh, so he so would. Oh he my is God, such a yep. homeopathic, like oh God. Yeah, no thank you. It would Harry. smell sort of like burned, rotten cabbage in the sick bay all the time. Here you uh-huh. go, I made you a poultice. Oh. oh. It's made of goose grease. Oh, where did you even find a goose? <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe now you can start training those one of those Borg kids because you have more civilians mm-hmm. on the ship, but that's, that, that's you know, they only just showed up. I'm sorry, I'm now picturing Neelix's quarters as full of geese. Yeah. Honk. That's fine. There's no law in the books. <laughs> there's no uh, one that's, there's no law saying a goose can't be doctor. Right. <laughs> Dr. If goose. Neelix could be a doctor. <laughs> well, he's not though. That's my point. <laughs> because that's the pool you have to draw from. Ugh. Let's let's see if like we can pool. Let's see if we can find good things cuz this is going to be a very small part of our discussion. So let's just get this out of the uh-huh. way. Uh, Amanda, you go first. My good thing and this is good writing. Um Seven and Bellana are so not into it. Mm. They don't get why everyone else likes Fairhaven so much, and they think it's a waste of time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing it's, this? It, it's and, so nice to see people who agree with me. And Bellana, you get the feeling she's sort of used to Tom's boring interests that she's not interested mm-hmm. in. And so Well, this was his brainchild yeah. in the first place. So she's baffled by everyone else like yeah, look what? i get my dumb boyfriends into this stuff but all of you really he's like he's, he's always into weird dumb crap but really really the thing is we saw like we saw a couple episodes ago when she got him the tv mm-hmm. she can suffer through that stuff i mean yeah. every every couple's got that we all know mm-hmm. that you got the thing that your significant other's into and sometimes you let them go off and do it by themselves sometimes you sit through it with them because that's what you do mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean everyone else has to join in that's terrible. Ugh. Just no thank you. But just the eye rolling when they're talking oh, about yeah. like, oh, we must save Fairhaven. It would it would destroy it. I love I love Bell at the end just like why? Yeah. Unplug why? it. Well, and that that's that is actually my bad thing. There are zero stakes because at any point, as Bellana repeatedly points out, they can just unplug the stupid thing. Ugh. Yeah, but then they'll forget. Then they'll have to start Fairhaven all over again. Or maybe just turn it off and delete it mm-hmm. and try something else. There's infinite possibilities there. And you're constantly meeting new aliens with new cultural uh, perspectives that can give you stuff you've never seen before instead of just constant Earth stuff. Mm. And they did this in... Um, they've, they've done this actually in all the Star Treks where... The holodeck becomes a place they hang out when they have a place designed for them to hang out. Yeah. Like we had Quark's bar mm. in DS9, and instead of hanging out there, 
They went. They to, would traipse through Quark's bar to get to, to the hall of to, to, to the uh, holodex in the back of it mm-hmm. to then hang out in the fake bar. And it's the same. They, we had ten forward in next yeah. gen where Guinan was there, and it was supposed to be like a central place where everyone hung out, which I think is a good idea. Yeah, Ooh, real ships have that. Yeah, and and I thought we were going to get like initially we were going to get uh, you know some off time people hanging out and like. I want there to be like a games room where everyone mm-hmm. just chills. Well, we've we've talked about that before when the first iteration of this Tom's Stupid French Bar showed up and we're like, why isn't there just a recreation deck yeah. where people can go play chess or play little like tabletop video games or just sit and talk or whatever. On Voyager, I understand why they don't do that because Neelix lives there. No, and that's, that's the um, that, that's the mess hall, which would be a separate place. Yes, no, but he Neelix still lives live there. there. Oh, yeah. okay. If you he go in there in the two in the morning, table. he's still there making a soup or something. Yeah. Man, I just came in to fucking play Galaga. I don't want to have a fucking conversation with Neelix. He's just stretched out on the ski ball thing. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. Gotta get my musk reel into it. Otherwise, we, otherwise we're all doomed. And uh, off in the corner, Tuvok has a little whack of Neelix set up <laughs> just, to, uh, just to relieve stress. Neelix, I hate you so fucking much. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming down. The thing is, you you are correct that uh, it is the the uh, Bell and Seven are written in character to hate the thing. The thing is, Kate used to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kate used to be one of the ones saying, "Guys, enough with the with the nonsense. We need to get the ship working again." And what baffles me is she's into this, and she's the one arguing that we need to give these holograms the same respect you would give a first contact civilization. What? Yeah, she's taking lead on this one, and it's really only because she wants to keep having weird sex with Irish guy. Yeah, but her argument, her on the books, like when Starfleet, when they get back home and Starfleet goes over what they've they've uh, been up to. You spent a, you, her, sp- you had the holodeck running all the time? But her, her, her on the books argument is these guys are self-aware and therefore we should treat them like any intelligent civilization. No! That but is wrong. They're not self-aware is the thing. It, they ha- that's a weird line to draw. Like it, it, they are basically Moriarty but yeah. suckier. But we the thing is we've had self-aware holograms. The doctor's a self-aware yep. hologram. Yeah. He's a dude. He has passed the test of like sentience. Yeah. These guys have not. These are programmed characters. They're not real people. Mm. Right, but they are now aware of the Voyager guys doing things that are incongruous to their world. Yeah, but so, like Leah Brahms was like that in the Geordie episode where he made That's her, true. Made his weird sex doll of her. Which keeps coming back to this weird thing, which is like if you're creating sentient people in the holodeck, if it's this easy, if all you have to do is leave it on for a while, like um, we shouldn't be using this because we're creating life for our own entertainment and then just destroying it. Yeah, and then switching it off. At a, yeah. like, like, at a whim. Yep. Moriarty was supposed to be a weird outlier yes. that then s- the Starfleet guys studied for years and years because they couldn't figure out how it happened. Yeah. yeah. But and that's that. that is how Star Trek, like, this era of Star Trek works, is, like, an episode does something cool like that, and then what they think they're doing is exploring it more, but what they are doing is making it less cool by mm-hmm. bringing it back over and over again. Now we have Vic Fontaine and now we have Fairhaven. Yeah. And I think there's been a couple others on Voyager that have been kind of self-aware. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's less cool every time you do it. No, the thing with Moriarty was that like you started with, first of all, you started with uh, something that was created to be, to be smarter than data. Right. So you're, you're already fucking around with like how the computer works and everything. But and like, even before that, the basic the, – the fictional character himself is supposed to be an evil genius. Exactly. But then, like, you start moving away with from that into, like, guys like Vic Fontaine and everything. And it's like it, – the uniqueness that was the original Moriarty episode is just gone. Yep. And that was such a good – like, the original Moriarty episode was great. Ship in a Bottle was fucking fantastic. Yep. One of the few times Star Trek tried to blow our minds and effectively did it. Mm-hmm. Where the holodeck is a holodeck on the holodeck, and we're like, this is actually pretty good. But they keep trying to copy that, and it gets like it's like multiplicity. Every time, it's less good. Yep. So, yeah. Knock it off, just, Star Trek. I just don't get. I don't get it. And also, I maybe one of you pointed this out. Maybe somebody else. I don't remember where this. It, this didn't come from me. But the idea that these guys don't see, like for instance. Uh, that Harry is Asian 
which should be a little out of place in an Irish village, but they do see Tom holding a pad. Yeah, like, like that's my big, I, that's my notes here Was that somewhere. yours? Yeah. Okay. It, like, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever that, like, they can see yeah, where some, Where do they draw the line with that filter? Exactly. Like, they don't care about, like, fucking Neelix or Tuvok or whatever, but, like, they well, I was can, trying to think, I guess, I guess Neelix was there, wasn't it? Yeah, Neelix is there. Tuvok doesn't go in there, but Neelix is in there. Right. Okay. And like they like they can't see that he's an alien, but they can see Tom using a tri- like a tricorder or whatever. Like right. W- what? It, it like it doesn't work. And it does make sense that there would be a filter to make them not see anything incongruous. Well, they're yeah, absolutely normal, because yeah, the, <clears throat> I get that. Like that because I mean sometimes they're going to go in in their Starfleet uniforms to get other guys, and you don't want to have to do that like Renaissance festival mm-hmm. thing uh, where it's yeah. like. Oh, I do not know what is this cellular phone of which Ugh. ye speak. Yeah. Lady, I'm just that trying to exactly find the fucking bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> but and and also like they don't like Kate says she's from another Irish village and she clearly sounds American. Mm-hmm. Like just simple things like that. And that's fine, but it, then you have to it's not internally consistent. No, it's I, but that's the holodeck. That's yeah. the biggest pro- I mean, to me my my biggest problem with the holodeck is we're in space on a space show exploring space. Why do we spend so much time not in space? But I, apart from that, our biggest problem with the holodeck is that it's just the logic of it makes no sense. At no. All. And the thing is, you could use and they have used the holodeck to explore the cultures of the people on the ship so yeah. that they can like like when Quar- um, Worf wants to do his Klingon stuff and mm. they do that. They can I like use that. that on the holodeck. Yeah. That's a good use of that. They don't have to go all the way to Chronos uh, in order right. to do that stuff. That's I think good. you mean Klingon homeworld. No, no, it's Kronos now. Uh-huh. We're 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 far enough it's, into the into the timeline. Yeah, it's, it's just Kronos. not spelled right. Yeah, yeah. But like, and yeah, in the um, Riker is a murder episode, they did a reconstruction of the murder. Like that's cool. But also, I don't even mind storytelling wise if like the teaser is what these guys are up to in their off time. I just don't want entire episodes about it. Like mm-hmm. we did a few next gens where we'd see Picard doing his Shakespeare thing on the holodeck for three minutes and then get on to the rest of the episode. Yeah, I like that. And sometimes the the thematic through line was a little too pat in yeah, those. But but what I'm saying is I don't mind seeing how these guys spend their off time. I don't mind that they're using the holodeck. I don't want to spend my time as a viewer watching them do it the mm-hmm. whole time. No, and I thought honestly, uh, Kate's Mister Darcy adventures. Um, yeah, they never. Fo- there was yeah. never a whole episode no, about that. It was just teasers. Yeah. when they call her to the emergency, yeah. that's what she's doing. That's that's great. Yeah, that's totally fine. Mm. Um, Matt, what was your good thing? That was my good thing. I must have found one. Yeah. There's a there's a, a smidgen of a cool idea here. The idea of this town being terrified of our guys because they're taking them and doing things to them. Like it's a we it's it almost feels like a weird alien abduction type thing if you look at it from a different sort of angle. Well, and and these are this is a culture that does famously or at least stereotypically I don't know if it's real yeah, but they they believe in fairy folk and all this supernatural stuff so it ties in like I get what they're trying to do there too like like the spirits are taking them away or whatever. Like this almost feels like it would be interesting as like a Twilight Zone episode where we start with the Fairhaven guys and. I don't know what the fuck Voyager is, but yeah. I don't give a shit about it because it's fucking stupid ass Fairhaven and I hate it. The thing is, these guys like the the episode did focus entirely on them. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of my problems with it is like we were meant to sympathize with fictional characters within the fictional show. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I don't care. I know they could just turn it off and who cares? And we're supposed to uh, sympathize with a bunch of pretty wooden cardboard uh, yeah, cutouts of characters. Oh, they're like, the worst stereotypes of like Irish. Just uh, oh, God. the like, fucking lead guy, the fucking dr- the the town drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the the only person who's even kind of a character in the town is Michael Kate's boyfriend, mm. and there's not really too much to him. Well, there was until she gutted it. Yeah, yeah. she gutted it to make it easier. Right. Yeah, not great. Michael Saint Michael. <laughs> no, Michael O. Michael. Michael O. Michael Han. <laughs> I guess, and the. The thing is, like, if you look at Kate's uh, romance choices, I guess she just kind of likes them handsome and boring. Yep, because she did fall for Chakotay briefly or yep. something I, along those lines. I feel like Kate's got too much going on to be really interested in, like, a uh, like an actual boyfriend. <laughs> so much as she just wants a sex doll who's nice to her. She just wants to be serviced every now and again, but she doesn't want to get tangled up in all that other bullshit. Exactly. I get that. 
That's that's fine for the working woman on the go. Like I got yeah. captain shit to do. Just let's fuck and then have dinner and then I'm going and then I can get back to work. Also, you watch my puppies because I'll be away for a long time. Yes. <laughs> I also need that. Because in the 24th century, a woman really can have it all. <laughs> I guess we finally answered that question. That's what I what I really want to see is just Kate in a holographic dog park. <laughs> oh, there's your, there's a super sad take on all this. Instead of her like having sex with terrible fictional characters, if she if she was on the holodeck all the time with her the fiance that dumped her. Oh God. <laughs> Trying to relive that and and pick up the pieces and the fake version of it. That's the saddest Aww. thing I've ever heard. I that, don't want that. That would be much more entertaining than this, though. Yes, in a way. <laughs> also, Brian Fuller wrote this. So, as Amanda pointed out, maybe we dodged a bullet with him quitting Discovery. You're, if this is what he gets up to, no thank you. You're, you're not wrong. Most of the episodes he were involved, he was involved in were not great. I'd say it's about half and half. Yeah. He's done some pretty good ones, and he's done some, some pretty real terrible stinkers. ones. I he's mean, also the- like he's still new at writing, as far as I can tell. Right, like he's only been doing this a few years. Yeah, but the thing about that, you're, you're correct. But the thing about that is, when a super established seasoned show like Star Trek picks up a new writer presumably that's the cream of the crop. They pay, they go through thousands and thousands of like he should be amazing. He should be a breath of fresh air. So is this back before writers had been invented then? No, Ron Moore was kicking around. Well, I know you could send a script to TNG and they just might they might just use it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think they needed it as much as Voyager did no. it this late this late in the game. My good thing uh, is a really tiny thing that lasted for 30 seconds, sure. but that's all you you know, there's something. Uh, Tom at one point turns uh, Harry's uh, hologram girlfriend into a cow, and it legitimately made me laugh. That was actually a good prank. It was a good edit, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. And, you know, Harry's like walking with his best girl through the town square, and suddenly, you know, you hear the jangle of a cowbell, and, uh, well, and that's good. It's good because Harry was the butt of the joke, let's be clear. And Tom's pretty good at the sort of, like... He is. He's a mischievous scamp. But if it had been reversed, because we know Harry knows something about how the holodeck works, it wouldn't be as funny. Nope. It's funnier because I hate Harry Then so it would be much. like, yep. fuck you, Harry. Stop bothering Tom. Yeah. Although, I should say, it's not a cow, it's a bull, because it has horns. And I don't know a ton about animals, but I know the ones with horns are not girls. You're real good at cow identification, Al. Nice uh, work, Al. Apparently so. I never knew that. Better than Voyager. I have the big book of cow spotting, so that really helped me there. <laughs> all, all credit to that book, really. Now, I know this because we had a running sketch on, on our sketch show with a couple of what I called cows, but it was me and Matt doing the voices, and I had to eventually figure out, wait, no, they're not cows, they're bulls. Mm-hmm. That is a different, like, same species, but they are called a different thing. They have horns. They, they're different. Can't milk them. Well, you kind of I mean, you can, guess, but... You shouldn't. Please stop. <laughs> That's not what the bull says. <laughs> this is the uh, most upsetting uh, the animal says wheel I've ever played with. <laughs> <laughs> the bull says, yeah. Amanda, um, what was your bad thing? Um, which one did you pick? The, yeah, which uh, yeah. of the many? From the, from the bountiful selection. From the cornucopia of bad things. Uh-huh. Um, we touched on this earlier, but... Kate's willingness to put real people in danger to keep her hollow boyfriend safe. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh. Like. Yep. No, legitimately, people's lives are at stake. Here. Yeah. Yeah, because the because safety's here's, off. Yeah, that's another thing. How many times is this going to happen with the holodecks where the safeties are just off? Like, only in a train, like in a in a combat training situation, is that maybe appropriate? Otherwise, there should be. And I think Bob was the first one to say this, but we all agree there should be a giant red button yep. to either turn the holodeck off completely or at least restore the safeties. I love that whenever the holodeck breaks, it works bet it it somehow works better and harder than it ever did when it was running properly. Yeah, right. Like what it's, kind of it, what kind of machine breaks down and starts going faster? It's kind of like in comics where someone is exposed to radiation and instead of getting tumors and dying, they get superpowers. Yeah. Yep. The holodeck breaking doesn't make it work worse. It gives it superpowers. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me that if it's starting to go bad, she should have just turned it off. Balana says, yeah, just turn and, and seven says, no, just turn it I'm off. I'm pretty sure all of our notes have throughout, you know, throughout the episode, just turn it off. Yep. 
It doesn't matter. Just and turn it off. The turn off button isn't broken. Like no. sometimes the turn off button gets broken when the yeah safety, the holodeck yeah. takes over the ship's commands or whatever. They but... can just turn it off. Yeah, but they but she chooses not to. And Harold and uh, Tom are about to get burned at the stake. And the doctor. Mm-hmm. And the doctor. Which actually ties into Matt's bad thing. Oh, yeah. So um, they're tied up in the church with a bit of ribbon, by the way. Uh-huh. And fucking, I forget who it is, but someone hypnotizes the doctor? Well, first they confiscate his mobile emitter, which turns him into a normal hologram instead of a future sure. independent hologram, which whatever. But yeah, then then he becomes one of them. And like, what? What? Are you kidding me? Yeah. What? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's because then he's in the fiction, and in the fiction, hypnosis works. But he has a personality and therefore a will, and he should be able to resist that stuff. Like, I don't know. uh, What what, what baffles me, though, is if his holographic emitter is taken away, shouldn't he just be him in the holodeck? Like, he used to transfer himself to the holodeck all the time. That's what I'm saying. But his mind is still there. He just doesn't have the ability to physically leave the holodeck now. Yeah. But that doesn't matter at the moment, so who cares? But, like, then wouldn't that keep him separate from, like, the Fairhaven? Fa- I don't know. I'm I'm incredibly angry by the whole thing. Yeah. No, we all are. I think, I, I don't, I have not met a single person. And legitimately, if if you liked this episode, if you were hearing our voices and you liked this episode, write in. We will, we will mock the episode. We will take very special care not to mock you personally. I want to hear a good argument in favor of this episode because I haven't heard one. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear from someone who actually thinks this was entertaining and why you think that. Like I said, I promise we won't make fun of you. We'll make fun of the episode. Yes. But but I want to hear your well-reasoned or even even if it's not well-reasoned, even if it's this is my opinion because I like this and this mm-hmm. and this, that's fine. Yeah, I'll take but that at this point. I've never met anyone who thinks that. Everyone pretty much that I, I've talked to agrees this is the worst or one of the worst episodes of Voyager and maybe of all Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Irish Gav went out on a limb and said this is the worst episode of all Star Trek. Yep. And the thing is, the first episode of Fairhaven was also bad, but this one was so much worse. And it's worse instantly because we see, oh, we're coming back to this thing we just left three episodes ago and didn't like then. What? Why? <laughs> and we spend less time with the characters we enjoy. Like, at least in the first Fairhaven episode, we had Kate wrestling with a moral decision yeah. it wasn't a great moral no but decision, that was the but, interesting part of the episode yeah. was sort of that that barkley adjacent yeah is it healthy for me to spend so much time on the holodeck no probably not mm-hmm. and that wasn't bad i guess uh what else uh let's see hypnotism burn that one out yelling this might be the i'm looking at our notes right now this might have more uh capital letters uh, yep. than any other thing we've ever done. I think so. And I try not to abuse that because the, I, I make these notes so that when we're talking about it, I remind myself, because we watched this a week ago and I start to forget some things. Mm-hmm. And I, so I want to remember that I was mad and <laughs> it's all caps. So that doesn't really help me, pet me of the past. I have a note uh, asking if this was fan fiction that was written by someone who is really into Voyager? No, it was written by Brian Fuller. I also uh, have a note here uh, asking if uh, my Kobo recommendations <laughs> came up with this. I, th- I think the listeners might need a, a little context for no, that. No, no, they all know. They intimately uh-huh. know what I tweet about. Uh huh. And what a Kobo is. And what a <laughs> yes. Right. And what a Kobo is. The well-known I... Canadian uh, Kindle ver- uh, knockoff. <laughs> yes. I don't know if it's a knockoff. It's just an alternative. Uh, uh, probably a knockoff. Well, the device is good. Yeah. It's just it's it's uh, AI is not super great. It's, it's a really good reader that I like very much, mm-hmm. but um, it's supposed to send me recommendations of books I might like, and for the most part, it sends me books I already purchased on the Kobo. <laughs> it knows I have them, and uh, like Mom's first romance novel. Right, a lot of those Fabio books. Yeah, which. I mean, maybe one, like, maybe it's like, hey, maybe you'll like this, but it's almost entirely that. Yeah. Which is, and once you answer no once, it should never, like, yeah. Don't bother me with this anymore, kid. Yeah. I don't want this. And Kobo's and, like, oh, it's, you don't like this romance novel. That's okay. I got a whole bunch you can look at. Yeah, we'll find one. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't expect uh, the, the listeners to be super familiar with my reading habits, but uh, not, a, not a huge romance guy. I think you guys will be shocked mm. to hear. Again, I am uniquely qualified to know this. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> not not my uh, not my 
cup of tea. Well, unless right. it's lesbian werewolves. Well, yes, there is lesbian werewolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would yeah. be okay. Ah, uh, anyway. Oh, uh, Amanda, I think this was your observation, actually. We have done at least three episodes where the holodeck malfunctions, the fictional characters are putting real people in jeopardy, and it's up to the doctor to rescue everyone. That is a very specific plot thing that they keep doing. They did it in the Beowulf one. Uh, what was the what was the second one? Uh, there was one too. Damn it. Um. Yeah. It it keeps happening though, and he has to uh, Captain Proton because he Captain went in Proton, as the president. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And in there, it was cute because that episode was cute. But and Beowulf actually wasn't a bad episode either. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, but, it wasn't great. But, but was- they keep recycling this very specific idea that the Doctor has to be the one to go rescue everyone from the holodeck gone wrong, and it's like uh, enough. Oh, well, I mean, there's a point. There's a point in this episode. Um, where uh, they take the mobile emitter off of the doctor, like we were talking about before, and Michael's, uh, Kate's boyfriend's looking at it, and I'm sitting there wondering, I wonder if she's going to order the doctor to give Michael her the the hollow emitter so they can go bone in Kate's... In like, her court? Okay, yeah, yeah we'll course. shut down Fairhaven, and he'll just come visit yeah. me, and you just stay... There's no the reason you don't you need to leave the the hospital, or the, the sick bay, yeah. and uh, I don't feel like walking down to the holodeck tonight. Yep. Also, I wonder if Chuck is jealous of Kate's imaginary boyfriend. <laughs> They've kind of touched on that a little bit. I feel like they're aware that some people ship those two, and they probably threw in things that if you want to believe yeah. it, it's there, but it's not definitive. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Anyway, Chuck doesn't else? have enough personality to be jealous of things. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it's, the subtext is there if the actor wants to bring it, which he doesn't. Do you want to bring this subtext, Robert? I do not. <laughs> okay. Look, my contract is for seven years, and I am going to show up every day, and that's all you get. Paycheck uh, for Robert Beltrum. <laughs> <laughs> you got a quote for us, Amanda? I do have a quote. This uh, this quote pretty much sums up uh, how we feel about this episode, too. We've been visiting your town for months. Why? All right, moving forward now to Ashes to Ashes, which has got to be better just sort of by default, right? I mean, how could it not be? Yeah, so, uh, Matt, tell us what happened in this. All right, so a random Borg child who has been given telephone access receives a phone call from an alien named Lindsay, who has been looking for Voyager for a while now. Janeway brings her on board, and Lindsay reveals that she's a dead crew member, that she's dead crew member Lindsay Ballard from, like, three years ago. Remember? Neither do we, but that's okay because Harry Kim does. See, Lindsay Ballard was one of the 86 women on Voyager that Harry has a weird secret crush on, and he's looking forward to rekindling that almost (laughs) romance by folding all of Lindsay's clothes and playing the saxophone for her. Yes, Harry Kim plays the saxophone now, presumably in an effort to become every member of the Kim Tones. (laughs) Anyway, Lindsay explains that after she died, her corpse was abandoned and eventually found by some alien race who reproduced by bringing dead aliens from other races back to life and turning them into aliens. If you're thinking that all of this is an incredibly complicated process for reproducing, you are correct. Good for you. Anyway, Lindsay tries to get back to regular life with the crew while Harry follows her around like a dog, an ugly, stupid dog that humps everything and plays different types of horns. Inevitably, Lindsay's alien father comes back looking for her, and Lindsay decides to return to her people for some reason. Harry goes back to trying to make it with a holographic cow. (laughs) Meanwhile, Seven and the Junior Borg Brigade learn about friendship and participate in an egg drop. (laughs) This is one of those mixed bag ones, I would say. Yep. Like, there was some stuff to like and some stuff to not like. Mm-hmm. But, That's, uh, it was, there were some good things and some bad things, you might say. <laughs> yeah, there were. Come on, you're messing up my segue here. <laughs> I, I liked, overall, I liked this episode. Um, I wouldn't say that this is like like a, an exceptional Star Trek episode, it, but I would say it's a good Voyager episode. Yeah, it's incredibly forgettable. Like, I, once, this is, once this week is over, I will never think of this episode again. I don't know. I actually, it was one of those, and and this is your good thing, Amanda. Like, it's one of those where they introduce us to a character we've never seen, or at least never really spent any time with before. Like, th- this may be a character we've seen. I think I remember an episode where Harry crashed a shuttle and the uh, the the female pi- uh, shuttle pilot died. And this could have been the same actor. It could have been a different actor. Sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Character. It doesn't. But also, there's lots of missions going on between episodes. Yeah. And the point is, she's a red shirt who died. That's mm-hmm. all you really need to know. But the point is that I was originally making is it, more often than not, they give us guest stars who we've never seen before, we'll never see again, and they don't really make an impression. And I actually feel like this one did. And that's what makes it a little more exceptional mm-hmm. to me. If she was good. Kim Rhodes, who played her, had a real 
presence. Yeah. Like, I, I, and she was likable. She was charismatic, which it, most of the guest stars on Star Trek overall. I, sometimes we get good ones. There, but I mean, overall, we, there's a handful of really great ones, but yeah. overall, mm-hmm. it's all like, uh, the outrageous Okana and like yep. that, or, or one of Counselor Troy's 70 boring boyfriends. Yep. Like, the, but this, this gal was, Kim Rhodes was good. She yeah. was really good. And the alien design on oh, her. Oh, she looked great. Her she alien design really is good. amazing. The, um, she, and that's actually your good thing, right, yeah. Matt? The, uh, the, she's got like, I mean, the actual thing, you know, she looks great. But yep. she's she, got, she looks like, um, Alan Rickman's character from Galaxy Quest. She actually looks a little bit like Jayla. From, also, uh, also, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that, yeah, yeah. But yep. she's got like really cool, like cat eye contact lenses that she wears for mm-hmm. the first half of the episode until she hits turn back into an adorable human, but like that are really fucking cool. Yep. Also, she the the actor does a thing that I think is really neat when she's aliened up, she hardly blinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't notice it at first, and I'm like, wow, she seems really alien. What is it that is making me think this? Because I mean, she's just she's the the alien makeup looks good, but it's not anything. That we it's, haven't it's seen. definitely in the better part. Like, if, if you were ranking the alien designs on the show, it's definitely in the top 20 or whatever. It is, but, but she's still like a humanoid alien. Yeah. And I'm like, why does she seem more alien to me than a lot of the other ones? And it's, uh, it's an acting choice mm-hmm. um, where she barely, barely blinks. And then actually later on, and I thought this was a really nice choice, she, throughout the episode, she decides she is not the, she's not uh, Lindsay. She's, uh, Jayla, Jetlana, whatever. Jet uh, Lindsay. Um, Jet Lindsay. Uh-huh. She's she's the Jet she Jaguar. Is, <laughs> she is the alien person, not the the human person. Mm-hmm. And as she realizes that, and she stops trying so hard to be human, the blinking goes away again. Like when she's a human, she's blinking. When she's an alien, she's not. Yeah, that's really and cool. That was I just I was like, wow, that's like. No, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out, and then I couldn't stop seeing. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's a lot more thought than goes into most of the guest stars like we have yeah. some guest stars who really bring it like yeah uh, who, who put it like or or your tim russes who think like this is what my alien species is like therefore yeah. i must act like this yeah <laughs> i felt like there was some of that in here she really put some time and work in. and the that. weird thing is i looked her up and she's not really like she's done soap operas and she was in like the atlas shrugged movie like she didn't oh, become dear. a big star or anything yeah like, she's just a working actor. Like, she's not a... You know. The thing is, I would say the most standout guest stars we've gotten are the names, mm-hmm. for the most part. Sarah Silverman, uh, Jason Alexander, uh, Lori Petty. Like, those have been some of the best ones who are who brought their already established presence to a new role. But she's one of the rare ones who were kind of at the same level as their usual guest stars, but actually kind of rose above that, I thought. Mm. Yeah, because they, they take a lot from... A lot like, of soap opera guys. A lot guys. of soap opera guys. And she was in... Yeah. Soap operas. But I mean, some of the soap opera guys are good, like Jonathan Frakes. Well, yeah, a lot of those guys guy. come from there. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's it's not just Star Trek that does that. Nathan Fillion came from uh, soap operas, too. You get good guys from soap operas. But she was just, I'm, I'm so, I'd forgotten that there's such a thing as charisma yeah. watching Voyager. Like, well, well, and it is a challenge in this show, we've said before, where... You know, done in one episode mm-hmm. to get you to get invested in this character. Uh, the guy who played Tuvix would be another one. He was again, yeah. Where I yeah, was another really... episode where we only met this character in within this forty-five minutes and, and cared about his fate by the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, More than was, Neelix. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, she's she was great. I really enjoyed yeah. her. Uh, my my good thing. Yes, was I particularly liked the B plot of Seven learning how to parent. It was a lot like Worf. On day one, where Alexander shows up and he's like, "Yep, nailed it. I'm gonna make myself the mug." World's best dad. Yep. I, and uh, I, but it was specific enough to Seven, like it was different because her personality is different. Yep. So I, I enjoyed that. All of her like like scheduling and shit. Like I love seeing it because it's like this is this is how I think uh, parenting works. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like okay, you assign them tasks and basically let them go about their business and. Whatever, well, it, it should work out fine. So, Matt, what do, do you, you mean think that parenting working? is like The Sims? Yes. Where you just set them doing an action? Yes. Yeah, and if this bar goes low, you give them an activity that raises that bar. Yeah, exactly. The Sim- that's, that's why The Sims is children training, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, they, they it, you know, some people want them to uh, make The Sims mandatory for all new parents. Yeah. So they understand what actually raising a kid is like. It's so realistic. That's why so much child death is from taking away the uh, ladder on a pool. <laughs> Or or uh, removing the door from a room so they can't get out. <laughs> 
And you can play uh, the game of life by house rules, where if you need some extra money, you throw your kids in the river. Yep. I have met so many people who do that, just to yeah. have not met each other. <laughs> See, I've I've never heard of that, but I also I don't think I've played that particular game. So well, you're really missing out on the game of life. I'll tell you that right now, Al. As far as board games go, it's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I have played the Mad Magazine board game, which is basically a parody of the Game of Life. That game is so fucking fun. Yeah, the the goal is to lose all your money. Yeah. Which I love. But uh, anyway. Uh, getting back to the parenting thing. No, I think we um, should talk about board games some more. <laughs> I hate Settlers of Catan. That's yeah. fair. There you go. <laughs> hate. Hate's a strong word, but I don't think it's strong enough to describe my bone deep, just... Oh, I hate well, it. Well, the thing I is, hate, the, the, hate it. the particular event that caused you to hate it is a shared experience. So I was there and I agree with you. Amanda, God, I've, got some, I, I've got some wood for your sheep. God, it's so boring. <laughs> There's actually The Onion this week did an article. Uh, the, the headline was something like uh, uh, board game, like board, uh, host assures board game will be fun while setting up board game or something <laughs> like that. That people like board games, and I don't want to like rag on their fun. Like, sure. oh, I do. In- enjoy your board games. I just don't want to play, so I'm not coming over to board game night. But I play D and D, which is just like a board game, mm-hmm. except there's no board. But uh, but Settlers of Catan takes all of the things about board games I hate and crams it into like a 17 hour experience mm-hmm. that will not end. Anything that takes longer to explain the rules than to actually play the game, I think, is where you lose me. Yep. But anyway. Anyways, back to the parenting thing. <laughs> right. Um, we had some some good scenes of Seven with Tuvok, who is the world's best dad. Well, sure. we pointed this out I, recently. I I think he's the only one we know for sure, like, apart from Ensign Wildman, who mm-hmm. disappeared once her daughter showed up. Like, uh, Tuvok might be the only parent on the ship, as far as we know. <laughs> And one of the standout episodes, Tuvok episodes for me, uh, is the one where he's stranded on the planet with those kids. Uh-huh. And Love that one. <clears throat> the, the the resolution of that was dumb, but the, the all yeah. of the Tuvok stuff in that was so good. So anytime we get to see him dad it up, I'm, like, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Also, why is Tuvok the dad of the ship and not Chakotay? I don't know. I actually think that works better. Yeah. It's it would be too neat for the first officer to be the dad and the captain to be the mom. That's that's just a little too, you know. Is that how it was in uh in Next Gen was uh Picard and Riker are the two dads? Yeah. yeah. Or I'd one? be okay with yeah. that. Mean mean dad who gets shit done and nice dad who makes you feel better about mean dad's meanness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bever who cries. Yeah. No, thank she's you. the she's the sad aunt. Yeah, but the thing is, she was a mother. I don't think it breaks down as captain and first officer because there's no way Kira was the mom of DS9. No, yeah, she was. She's no. the angry mom who gets things done. No, I don't yeah. think so. No, no, no. Dax she's was the, the mom go- of DS9. Yeah, absolutely. She, she goes to. Uh, she's the one who goes to soccer games and punches out the ref for not paying attention enough attention to her kid. <laughs> she doesn't I, give a damn about what he thinks. What are you blind? Get my kid in there, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Now I'm picturing Nana Visitor just like dressed as a suburban soccer mom carrying a latte and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yep. That, that fits. Perfecto. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, as far as the scheduling, like she pulls up the itinerary seven mm-hmm. does for the children and it looks like my itinerary. Oh, from six to seven, you work. From seven to eight, you have look, fun. It's right yes. there. I'm yeah. pointing at, I'm pointing at seven. Several of them. Yeah, every direction you point in, there's a whiteboard. Everywhere I look, there's a whiteboard. I'm surrounded by them. <laughs> huh. That's, that is the last words of quite a few people. <laughs> now, only in, Listen, in my... Listen, if anyone does any murdering in this house, it's going to be me. Look, you've seen... You see how it works. It's always the one they least suspect. It's always the one who's quiet and kept to himself. <laughs> he, see, he seemed like such a normal man. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, um... No, my, my schedule has fun on it, but it's got, like, uh, sarcastic quotes around it. <laughs> fun. Fun, because I don't find it. I, I like the board kids. Oh, wait, we have to do this now? This is fun? Okay. okay. All right. But it was, I, I enjoyed it. And and the, the little girl, uh, I don't remember any of their stupid names, because they're all stupid names. Faye, I, um, I, call, I keep calling her fake Naomi Wildman. Yeah, that's fair. Although there was a scene between her and Naomi where they seem to be bonding, which I like. That's fine. Yeah, they talked about hair braiding. It was cute. Yeah. But when we opened the episode and it was uh, the little board girl and not Naomi, not Naomi, it was sort of felt like a wasted opportunity. Like, well, oh. 
Yeah, but on the other hand, if Naomi's getting a friend, yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. She's At this point, all she has is Neelix and Seven. Like, give her a friend her own age. That's good. There was a pretty good joke where um, Lindsay uh, asks her to transfer the call to the captain, and she looks up and she says, I think my height may be insufficient. And <laughs> yeah, I, that was good. adorable. I feel that. Although, as, as we, Matt we points out... We assimilated this phone book. <laughs> As Matt points out in his summary, though, why is this child allowed to answer the phone? That's an excellent question. She's not Starfleet, much less a senior officer. Like, the the comm, the main comm should only be accessible to the senior staff anyway. Like, not any ensign should be able to walk up, much less any civilian kid. And it's a touchscreen. It should know who's there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, the the ship definitely knows. Like, Major Lara always knows where people are. That's not hard to figure out. Yeah, they are no longer on the starship. Yeah, I I, I, I do keep picturing her going, USS Voyager, small child speaking. How can I help you? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, hello? (laughs) No, she's not here. You know, is your mom there? No, (laughs) No, my mom's dead. Bye. Looking around. (laughs) Yep. No, but I that was a cute like it didn't really go anywhere. Phone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the shower. Take a message. No, but as B plots go that that ease the seriousness of the A plot, I really liked it. Like it was a perfect whimsical but not too wacky mm-hmm. and not too connected thematically. Yeah. Like it wasn't like Yeah. here's something to drive home the point of the first one. No, not at all. I mean, at at the you know, the most basic they're both about family, I guess, but that's about it. Like, but that's fine. It's not just yeah. like mm-hmm. the B plot doesn't exist to like frame the A plot. No, and say, I hate Hey, that. hey, hey guys, hey guys. That this, exact thing this, we're talking about yeah. in this room mm-hmm. applies here too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I but and that's really all I had to say about that subplot is like it's a nice like if you have an extra ten minutes to fill with the other plot, it's it was a nice similar tone but different enough and I, I enjoyed that and it was funny like it was yeah. actually funny i agree matt what do you think yeah no i dug it okay because i know small like children running around it's fine i i know not everyone likes the board kids and i'm waiting to find out why and so far they don't they don't bog me mm-hmm. but they mind at some point <laughs> will these children be a harry or a kess <laughs> <laughs> there's two types of characters on voyager <laughs> Um, what is your bad thing, Amanda? So, and this feels like bad writing, not like writing someone in character. They hit the Herald nice guy buttons real hard mm. in this. And it's not like they're writing him to be sort of an overbearing jerk. They're, they're, he's, we're supposed to feel bad for him. Yep. Like, they talk about Lindsay dying and how it really hurt Harry's feelings. Mm-hmm. She died. No, uh, okay. This Hang is on. not about you. Hang on. It's a little about him. If you're a military guy on a mission and your cohort dies with you, that is traumatic for you. But it's more traumatic for the one who but died. They were not talking about that. They were talking about her. They oh yeah, he was about, into her. That's what made it creepy. They mm. were talking about no, but they were talking about how it affected her and how she remembers her death and how like she woke up again as a new person and instead of talking to her about that, he was like, "Oh yeah, it was really hard for me." Shut up. Let me tell you Fuck let me tell you, you about about the hard time I had here back home on my comfortable spaceship among yeah. friends. No, but like I say, there is an angle that would work there, which is I was in a hostile combat situation and my fellow soldier died. That That is traumatic. But there was a whole episode about that already. That's true. About him having to leave her behind. We already explored his feelings. This is not about him. Well, you're right. It's not about him. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm saying there is a way they could have done that that wouldn't have been terrible, but they didn't do that. And also, the re- you're right. The reason, he was, the reason he was hurt by it was because he wanted to fuck her. Yeah. Like, it's not because he lost a comrade it's because he lost someone he had a crush on yep one and of he'd many put in all of the yeah, yeah he'd put in all of the time he'd put in all of the time to to earn being able to fuck her uh-huh. and it got taken away and it was so unfair yep. i was and up to 87 hole punches in my get to have sex with you card <laughs> he's such Ugh. a nice guy Ugh. Yep. And it, it's really written like we should feel bad for him and that we should focus on his feelings and uh, i just Oh, it makes my skin crawl. But what of Harry Kim, Amanda? What of Harry and his feelings? Remember when we thought Tom was this guy? Yeah. Yep. I just want to push him on the ground. 
I just want to go by and just give him a good hard shove. Fuck you, Harry. <laughs> Can I crouch well. behind him? Yes, please do. <laughs> I never understand what that's meant to accomplish. It just makes you fall harder. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you, well, you have to tumble over somebody. Ah. Thanks, Matt. You're a good friend. Yeah, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> My bad thing is also Harry-centric. <laughs> what a shock. Uh, when he hears that Lindsay gets to have dinner with the captain, because the captain invites her to dinner. Hey, crewman back from the dead. Maybe I want to spend a minute with you and see what you're all about. He whines that he never got invited to do that. Motherfucker, your station is at her feet on the bridge. And she's constantly sending on away missions and inviting you to meetings that no ensign has any right being a part of. How many ways do you need to be told that you're a special boy, you pathetic little jagoff? Always. It's never enough. I never get to have dinner. Oh, shut the fuck up. See, because when you're not being told that you're a special boy, how do you know you're a special boy? There's a whole hour where she's in a room where he can't hear her and she's not praising him. So, yeah. He's just cr- he's just outside of the door, like trying to hear with a glass. I've died like five times. How come I don't get to have? No one's yeah, mentioned. Shut up. <laughs> no one's mentioned Harry Kim in about three minutes. Yeah. Oh man, I hate him. Yep. I hate him so much. He's just yeah. the worst. He really is. I think I might hate him more than any other character, like any other sort of. All, uh, part of the any crew, I could, any crew. I like any Star that, Trek yeah. character. Yeah, maybe not mm. as much as any guest star because I've hated some guest stars mm. pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But as far as like guys, main who are there, main characters who are there every week. Yeah, I really, really hate him. Well, you've you've got some feminist baggage tied up in there as well. Like. I do. I'm gonna show. I'll show him my feminist baggage. I'll use it to tie to his legs and shove him in the river. <laughs> the thing is, like, I don't think there's that many regular characters that I dislike for the most part. There's usually one per series for me. Yeah. Um. I mean, Wharf, but you guys got to watch that. The thing is, that the war, the Wharf thing. Let's be clear: is not because the actor is bad or nope. because the writing was bad. He was written to be kind of a dick. And that that hit a nerve with you. But mm-hmm. it's the same as Kai Wynn. Like, you hated Worf the way you hated Kai Wynn. He was a good part of the show, but you just didn't like him. Yep. That's not the same thing, I don't think. Yeah, I don't... No, this like, is the, I, I think this might be the first series where I've actively hated reoccurring characters. I, see, I hate Neelix as well. Yep. So. But I hate I, Harry I hate more Neelix. than I hate Neelix. Neelix is I, what Neelix is. Like I go back and forth on this. I, I hate Neelix, but the uh, the hate I have for Neelix is it's it's like... A candle next to the sun. No. See, for me, as a comedy writer, seeing them attempt comedy and fail so many times offends me. Mm. Neelix is offensive. Yeah. He's so bad. Yep. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. Every series, like, you get Chekhov. Mm -hmm. Hated Chekhov. Oh, fuck. I forgot about Chekhov. Yeah, I hate Chekhov. Yeah. We had Bever. Mm -hmm. I ended up not liking Bever very much at all. Wesley had some pretty bad stuff. There was a middle period yeah. where we quite liked Wesley. Yeah, Wesley went back and forth. Wesley started terrible, got pretty good, and then got terrible yeah. again. Yeah. And then uh, Rom on DS9. Yeah. So there's there's always at least one. He's Rom. <laughs> but the thing is, DS9 had, I, I think someone counted once, and it's like 30 like uh, main or semi-recurring characters, mm-hmm. like people who were in at least half the episodes per season. And so one out of 30 is pretty good. Whereas on Voyager, I hate two out of eight. And there was one or two okay ROM episodes. Yeah. There was yeah. a middle period where he was pretty all right before he got terrible again. Yep. That's yeah. true. Where they made him sort of the idiot savant of engineering. I like that. And yeah, then he yeah. just got stupid again. And there was, I mean, there was even one good checkoff episode where his hippie friends come back. Yeah. And he's true. a square. Yeah. And then a uh, new Chekhov, like, yeah. rescued the character. Yes. Has there been a good Harry episode? Because I cannot think of one. Hmm. Don't think so. There's been Thinking a lot back. of Harry episodes. No, well, I mean, he's a main part of the yeah. cast. You get at least one a season. That's just how it works. I feel like we might have liked yeah. one early in the series when we didn't hate him yet. No, I was thinking about the earliest Harry episodes, and I don't think so, because there's the one where he thought he was dead and woke up on that planet. Right. Ugh. And there's the one where he ends up back on Earth with his stupid girlfriend. And like, there's the one where the ladies aren't hot enough. Yeah. Well, that's where we turn the corner. At least that's where I turn the corner. Yeah, that's a pretty good indicator right there. It's like, shut up. I I watched that episode in the same room as uh, noted Harry Kim cheerleader Tidro, Mm -hmm. and she didn't like him in that episode. So I was like, you know what? I this is not just my bias talking. This is objectively terrible. She hates it. Mm. I didn't hate him in the pilot. But that wasn't about him. No, it, t- it, it took us a couple episodes episode. to realize how terrible he is. 
Yeah, the pilot to me doesn't count at all because I also didn't like Kate and that's yeah. not right. So, yeah. Now, I can't remember. There must have been one, but I can't think of one. Mm. Um, Matt, what was your bad thing? So the dinner, the dinner in question that Lindsay is invited to uh, is apparently made up of burnt roast and pe- peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> now, look, both of those are perfectly acceptable meals, but why are you pa- why are you planning on pairing them? I don't think she was. I think she burnt the roast and had the peanut butter and jelly as a backup. See, I thought really? that, but like I, I watched it and like the peanut butter and jelly are already out on the table when she discovers that the roast has been burnt. So, like, I'm pretty sure she was planning on serving roast and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I like the idea that she just has peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the table all the time, like, at the ready. As Ship's mom, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and she's also got a bowl of Band-Aids for when someone comes in, well, when Harry comes in having skinned his knee. It's definitely Harry, because Naomi doesn't need that anymore. No, she needed it a year ago. But she's she's outgrown that. All right, Harry, do, do you want SpongeBob or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We're all out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It'll have to be SpongeBob. Aw, man. How come I don't get anything I want or everything I want all the time? Yeah. Um, I did not understand this alien race that takes corpses, alien corpses, and turns them into new people. This might be the most complicated way of reproducing I've ever heard of. Yeah, what? And it's a little like maggots that use dead bodies to gestate mm-hmm. in. Yeah. I suppose. Except parts of her brain are still there. She yeah. remembers having been Lindsay, and she's not just the cells and the, the material of an old person. She's She still remembers. Yeah, That's like, the part that gets think, me. You would think that people escaping would happen all the time. Yeah. Just because you're bringing people back to life and taking them away from their families. And, and not blanking their memories. Yeah, they did say that it's um, more like it's it's more severe for some people than others, and for her, it's particularly severe. Mm. Like her memories are a lot more clear than they tend to be. Mm. And the other thing is, they don't spend a lot of time wallowing in this silly idea. Mm-hmm. We just move forward. Yeah, that is true, and yeah. I've I've said that many times. Where even with a dumb premise, if you get a good episode out of it, then I've, I'll just ignore the dumb premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Fine. And th- we don't spend two acts trying to explain it and no. still not explaining. I it. I mean, so. my my all time favorite episode, maybe of all Star Trek, is uh, Trials and Tribulations. <laughs> Orb of Time makes no goddamn yep, whatever. sense. Whatever. But that also is done in the po- in the teaser, and we never talk about it again. Yep. So if you just get on with it, I'm okay with that. But you know, it it just it. Trying to think out how it works Mm -hmm. is a little weird, and I don't know. Like, she was good enough to kind of overshadow that, I guess. Yeah. And um, it was some interesting um, exploration of the idea of, like, identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they did that actually well. Yeah, they did. Where she was realizing, no, I am not this person I thought I was. I really am this other person. I I like that. The scene where she she goes to eat that food that she's been wanting to eat since, like... Mm -hmm. She died and like doing it, and she's just like, "Oh, my taste buds don't work like this anymore." Yeah, this this is not the uh, this the the feast for the senses that I'd hoped it would be. Uh-huh. And the the doctor gives her back the appearance of being human, mm-hmm. but she's not a human. Yeah. She is still an alien. And at first, they're like, "Yay, she's a human again!" But it becomes very clear very quickly. Mm. No, she isn't. She's wearing a human mask. It's yes. not the same thing. Yeah, she wears a disguise to look like human guys. Yeah, <laughs> but she's a chicken boo. Exactly. Aw. You're a chicken boo, too. Ew, oh. no, not like that. <laughs> that crewman's a giant not... chicken, I tells you. <laughs> it is not dope swag. <laughs> you don't know your boo. <laughs> you guys are anyway, gross. What? You guys are gross. Yep. Yep. We sure are. Saying that's just going to make us do it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> All right. No, I mean do it. Oh, man. It's just going to be like... <laughs> Like, I'm not going to be recording it, but you'll still have to hear it. Are you going to kill her and then bring her back as an alien or what? Like, uh, yeah, okay. I think that the Harry, circling back to the Harry being a creep thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. It bothered me the most at the end where she had very clearly reached the decision that she didn't, like, she wanted to go back and not be a human. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, no, she needs to stay. Like, fucking, okay. First of all, this is a tense diplomatic situation. Ensign, the the junior ensign needs to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. But second, this is a an alien citizen, 
an individual making a decision about their own life. It has nothing to do with you. Mm. Their own life and their identity. Like she says, no, I don't identify as this human woman anymore. This is who I am. And Harold's like, no, 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 no. And when uh, this is a bit silly, but the the way they make her look human is with some injections, whatever. Uh Um, The doctor says, listen, the injections are not working very well. You're going to have to come here and have an injection like three or four times a day to keep up this human look. And she's like, well, I don't I don't want to do that. Like, that's that's too much to keep this up. And Harold's like, but you need to look human. Yeah, Yeah. look the way I want you to look. You're not hot anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it would be inappropriate in this situation where the aliens are coming back for her and she's Mm -hmm. saying, I want to go with them. It would be inappropriate for the captain to say, no, stay. Mm -hmm. But it is infinitely more inappropriate that he's been romantically involved with her and that he is a junior ensign. Yeah. Just uh, stay out of it, special boy. Yeah. Not everything is about you. Well, that's not how he sees it at all. I hate him so much. I also hate him so much. All right. Anything else? I have one uh, sort of small note. Um, they talk about Tuvok, uh, like Tuvok spends some time in a, like a relaxation program oh, um, yeah. where he like goes in to yeah, meditate. Vulcan meditate. Yeah. And Harold's like all up on like a bunch of people. Let's go in and screw with his holodeck program. Let's go burn down his mosque. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. What the hell is wrong cool, with you? Man. Yeah, But at first they're talking about, well, Tuvok has this thing that he goes to do to relax. And I'm like, oh, so this is his Neelix strangling program. <laughs> yeah. So they're just going to put like uh, yakety sacks in the background of that. No, they'll reprogram it so that Neelix is unstranglable. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is indeed a disturbing universe. <laughs> it's a new type of Kobayashi Maru. The, uh, <laughs> the no strangle Neelix. I ju- his, head's Neelix? Just, yes. his head's just floating above his body. He doesn't have a neck. Ugh. What are you going to do now, Mr. Vulcan? <laughs> oh, man. He hasn't called him Mr. Vulcan in a while. That's true. Uh, all right. Anything else? Uh, just my quote. All right. What do you got? <laughs> Fun time with seven. Fun will now commence. Well, that is uh, that is not the correct uh, assessment of, of what has happened for us <laughs> this week. Fun did not commence for the three of us. No, sir. But uh, looking ahead, next week we're doing an episode called Child's Play, which I bet's going to be worse. Boy, I hope Harry. Wor- worse than this one, not worse than a uh, small doll. Not worse than Spirit Folk, because nothing's going to be worse. Than yeah, that. I think I have some other business to attend to. You're the one who said I'm on the show once a season. I should be keeping up with the episodes so I have the context. That was you. I, I only have... require you as a guest to see two episodes a season. I have some business. That requires my immediate attention. They say that, Captain, there's something I need to see over here. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. You don't, you don't, like, you don't get to back out of your own thing. But yeah, we got something like 30 episodes, 30-ish episodes of Voyager left, and I'm confident that nothing is going to be worse than Spirit Folk. I could be wrong. I hope <laughs> Voyager's like, challenge accepted. Yeah. Hold my beer. <laughs> Hold my coffee. <laughs> All right. Well, Amanda, as as always, you've been here. Um, From the other room. Yes. Why don't you tell the fine people about what you get up to when you're not doing this? I do photography, and I have a photo-a-day blog, and that is giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com, where I post one photo a day forever. That's been going on for years and years. Yep. And, and also, I can't believe I'm saying this about you, but you're selling your photography a bit short in that you are now a semi-professional photographer mm-hmm. actually doing paid work and doing work that I would hold up as as comparable to, like, you know, pro stuff you yes. see in, in magazines and good websites and stuff. Shut mm-hmm. up, baby. I know it. <laughs> so that's uh, Giant Black Albatross? Yep. .tumblr.com is where you can see that photography. And... um yeah, it's real, real good. Mm-hmm. Very well. All right. Next week, uh, Child's Play. Hooray. Hooray. So, uh, yeah. Again, can't be as bad as Fairhaven I or uh, uh, Spirit Folk. So. All right. See you, folks. Good, at least. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're... We're we're still just doing this.